Welcome to our August Exchange essay. I'm Jillian McLean, your Director of Communications for the APTA Student Assembly Board of Directors. And we're really excited to have Jimmy Pacini, who's a physical therapist assistant with me today. Um, if you've never joined us for an exchange chat before, how it works is I want you to interact with us via the comments here on Facebook. And there's also a conversation happening over on Twitter. Use the hashtag exchange essay and follow that along. And there's just lots of chatter going on. So, Jimmy, I'll let you introduce yourself, where you went to school, and how you got involved in the APTA. Okay. It's kind of a long story, but we'll keep it brief. Yeah, <laughs> so, I'm Jimmy Pacini. I'm a PTA, and I um, graduated from the PTA program at College of the Sequoias in Visalia, California. Right in the middle of the state, um, so Central California. Uh, I, after graduating, got licensed uh, and started working for a community regional uh, in Fresno nearby, um, where I worked in outpatient orthopedics and neuro um, and did that for four years before then actually getting a job in academia. Uh, and I went to help develop a PTA program at a local school um, where I worked for another couple of years. Uh, as the director of clinical education there. And then recently actually took a job back at College of Sequoias, the same school that I went to for my PTA program, um, where I'm the academic coordinator of clinical education and also faculty there. So kind of gone full circle back at the school that I went to originally for PTA program. Um, and so I, um, you know, I got involved with the association as a student um, I went to PTA school thinking that it was going to be a stepping stone for me, you know, like maybe a lot of PTA students, uh, or PTAs just in general, thinking it was going to be a stepping stone for me to go to PT school. Um, and then I quickly realized that there was a lot that I could do as a PTA, um, if I stayed a PTA <laughs> and, um, quickly got involved with the association. Um, you know, went to the House of Delegates as a student. Uh, I ran for Student Assembly Board of Directors. Um, you know, I, I just started asking questions and, and getting involved wherever I could, uh, wherever there was a need for a student or a PTA student specifically to, to get involved or to participate. I tried to do it if I could. And, um, you know, just kind of, like I said, kept asking questions and um, and so I've served in a lot of different capacities, but currently I am a delegate for the PTA caucus. Um, and so I've served, you know, at the district level within our state our, and then at the state level and now at the national level as a PTA. So I've, I've done a lot of different things um, and, you know, have been excited to just keep pushing myself. But that's my current position uh, is delegate for the PTA caucus. Well, that's really cool and able to hear that PTAs and PTA students, you, you're able to be involved on all levels. It's not, there's nothing limiting you on any kind of involvement. And that's just great to hear. I know, I don't know a ton about the PTA caucus. Can you go into that a little bit more and what that is? Yeah. So um, the PTA caucus is um, heavily involved with the House of Delegates. So House of Delegates, we all know highest uh, decision-making body within the association. Um, the PTA caucus 
you know, does the governance side um, for um, PTA representation. Uh, so you have the chief delegate and uh, the, the delegates um, that also participate in the House of Delegates with the other delegates from uh, different components. Um, and then we also have a PTA caucus representative uh, from every chapter. So um, it's kind of like a mini House of Delegates for PTAs, um, but it's also participating in the House of Delegates. So we're discussing House motions throughout the year. Um, we have our business meeting prior to the House of Delegates where we all meet. Um, that's our one time a year that we all are together. Um, we have a second business meeting that's usually tied to CSM, um, but that one's not, not everybody is able to attend that one. So then we have our business meeting right before the House of Delegates. Um, and, you know, we're really, we're carrying out a lot of different tasks, um, just discussing things that are going on, not just with PTAs, with, you know, just our profession in general. And what are the perspectives of the chapters? What are the perspectives of the PTAs within those chapters? Um, you know, working on projects such as the 50th anniversary of the PTA, which is coming up next year, in case anybody didn't know that. I'll just throw that in there. Um, you know, looking at PTA education, looking at um, the scope of work of the PTA, um, where does that go? So, you know, these are all things that we're working on continuously. Um, PTA engagement at the chapter level. Um, how can we better engage PTA members? How can we increase PTA membership? Um, working on the PTA 10K initiative right now as a follow-up to the APTA 100K. Uh, so, you know, if you see that hashtag, you know what that's all about now trying to get PTA membership to 10,000 within our, our association. So, um, you know, there's a lot that we do. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot that we do as the caucus. Um, so again, we just, we have that representation throughout all of the chapters and then we have the delegates that are elected by the reps from those chapters to then sit on the floor of the house. So. Well, that's awesome. It's yeah. such a great experience. If any PTAs or PTA students that are watching, I think it's something very easy you can get involved with it at your state or district level. And um, we'll start rolling into some questions. Molly wants to ask you, what advice would you give to build the gap between PTA and DPT students to create a stronger relationship? Um, yeah, I think, you know, we talk a lot about the PT-PTA team and that relationship, um, which like anything, um, if we start to foster that at the student level, then it will transition into clinical practice. Um, and so I think I think we're I think we're starting. I think we're we're starting to realize that and the importance of um, implementing that knowledge into education, uh, into the DPT programs. Uh, you know, there's curriculum being added to. Uh, DPT programs now to talk about PTAs, uh, what the role of the PTA is, um, how that PT-PTA relationship works, um, whereas in the past, you know, it, it wasn't really even talked about. Obviously, in PTA education, we talk a lot about that team because we have to know our role and we have to know what the PT does, 
Um, but for so long for PT students, it wasn't until they were working and maybe had a PTA that they were working with that then they would start to learn you know, what that really even looked like. So um, I think that's one thing that we have to continue to do it, to bridge that gap is to um, you know, have that in our education. Um, and then again, just as students, um, creating the culture that it's it's not just PTs, um, you know, that it's the PT and PTA. Um, you know, so many times I hear people talk about different things within our association. And I know that most of the time it's unintentional, but the conversation is just about the PTs. And mm -hmm. until we change that culture where it's about the PT and the PTA, um, then you know we're going to continue to have this disconnect between that relate or in that relationship. So um, you know, just trying to evolve, trying to um, create that culture where um, you know we're, we're always looking at the two as a team um, is going to help to bridge that gap. Yeah, I completely agree, and I know we do the hashtag Better Together. Mm -hmm. I think slowly but surely it is getting better. I know at my school. Um, we had the director of a PTA program come and talk to us during our first year about what they do and kind of their typical course. And now most of them are non-traditional students. And I think a lot of us got a lot more respect from that. Um, mm -hmm. And then on our clinical rotations, we have yeah. a limited, you don't always have a PTA with you. And sometimes that can right. be hard to right. figure out where you go. But where I am now, there's a PTA who's been there for 15 years. So she knows more than I do <laughs> yeah. about a lot and of things. Yeah, and that's what I talked about in my blog, just that, you know, there's things that you can learn as a DPT student from PTAs that have a ton of experience and um, their knowledge in whatever practice setting. Um, the other thing I want to say, too, is that this doesn't just fall on, you know, DPT students or DPT programs or the PT. Um, you know, PTAs also have to do a better job. You know, we have to um, step up and not just, um, you know, kind of sit back and, and stay in the background. Um, and again, I think sharing my story a little bit, I think that was what I saw early on as a student was that we need PTAs to be able to, to participate, step up, uh, accept that challenge, kind of push the norm and be willing to, um, you know, be put in positions that weren't typical for PTAs but are able, right? I mean, you're able to do it. And so um, just be willing to kind of raise your hand and speak up and, um, you know, again, it, it's a two-sided thing, that relationship, the PT-PTA team. So it's not just the PTs that need to do a better job, the PTAs also, um, you know, need to do a better job of staying engaged and asking questions and being willing to participate, um, is, you know, part of that, that equation as well. Yeah. Lindsay has a great question. She says, are there, do you know of any cool projects or activities between PT and PTA schools that you've heard of that maybe students can bring back to their own school? Yeah. So, um, you know, more student ran projects. I think um, schools are starting to get creative in just different community service events or, um, you know, other types of projects, whether it's like a um, you know, some sort of lab that they put on or, or service, you know, like if it's, they do a, you know, balance clinic or something like that, and they actually work with the PT uh, or PT, 
both schools, PT and PTA schools. Um, schools are also starting to look at different ways to incorporate that um, teamwork in education and in clinical practice and um, you know whether they put on an actual skills lab where they host both programs, PT and PTA programs. So if you have like a sister school that's nearby, um, you know, there definitely are opportunities and, and things that are have occurred um, that have been really successful to implement that teamwork in education. And again, whether it's, uh, you know, an official lab, like a skills lab or something like that, or if it's more of the outreach, community outreach, and just um, inviting those sister schools to participate together. Um, that's one of the things here in the area that we've been talking about. Um, we have the DP2 program at Fresno State, and then we have the two PTA programs locally. And so just talking about different ways that the three of us, you know, all three schools, we're, um, you know, the one PTA school and, and Fresno State are really close, and the PTA program that I work at is about 45 minutes down the road. But still, it's it's within the area. It's still within the Central Valley here. and. Um, we've been talking about different ways that we can get together and collaborate and um, start building those relationships with the students that are in those programs because there's a good likelihood that they're going to be working together once they're you know out of school and licensed. And so starting to build those relationships now, starting to um, help both understand each other's roles, um, starting to to implement that. So. There, there are some things that are happening and it's kind of exciting to see. Yeah, and I, I sometimes it's hard because I know there isn't a super close one to my school. But um, so if you're listening and you have a PTA school and a PT school close to the other, I think a community service event is probably the easiest and most fun thing you guys could probably do together. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nick has a question. He says, hi, Jimmy. <laughs> Being a PTA educator who is very engaged in the profession, is there anything specific you do with your students to create a culture of involvement? Good question. Yeah, so I, any chance I get, I talk about involvement um, and, you know, it goes back to, I, I put the responsibility on them. Um, you know, we can sit here and talk about the PTAs and how, um, you know, they're an afterthought, but it's also our responsibility. So I, um, I put the responsibility on them to be engaged, to know what's going on. What are the issues that we're facing? Um, and this is for PT students as well. I mean, it's your responsibility as a professional. You know, the minute that you enroll in your program, you're a professional. You're one of our colleagues. Um, and so just because you're a student doesn't mean that you don't have to worry about these things or that it's not um, your responsibility or your duty to be involved and to, to know the issues that are that we're facing as a profession. Um, and so, you know, I any chance I get, I, I like to remind the students of that. Um, we take our students to legislative day every year, um, taking a bus, you know, we load up a bus and, and take the students and we've done that with Fresno State in the past where it was both uh, the PT and the PTA students on a bus riding to Sacramento, which is about three, three and a half hours away. Um, so that's another idea that you guys, you know, could use, um, you know, yeah. going up there and, and doing advocacy together. So we participate in that. Um, 
you know, all of the opportunities again within our district level, any opportunity we have have to have student representation. I'm always encouraging the students to participate, um, you know, all the way up to the national level, whether it's running for student assembly board of directors position. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm always watching different opportunities that are out there and just kind of passing those on to the students. Um, because all you have to do is just say you're interested and there's a spot for you. There's something for you to do. Um, and I think that, you know, even if you don't think you're interested, I think there's still a spot for you as a student. Um, and again, that goes for both PT and PTA students. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like once you dive in and you give like a little nibble, you say you're interested and then all these people flock at you and you're like, I can find uh -huh. places for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> which can be intimidating at first, but then you become a part of the PT fam and you're Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Molly wants to know, the attendance of PTA students at conferences throughout the year is much smaller than DPT students. What words of encouragement can you give to PTA students on attending and which conference do you think is most beneficial for them? Which conference is most beneficial would definitely be the one that they can get to, <laughs> for sure. Um, all of the conferences are so great. I mean, CSM is always the popular one, um, you know, People want to go to conference because they want to get the continuing education and there's just such good content at CSM and it's always such a fun conference. Um, always seems to be in you know, such a fun location. So that's obviously the popular conference for people. But I think, you know, if we're talking specifically for PTA students, um, you know, it's whichever conference they can get to. And that, you know, even if it's just their state conference, you know, get to your state conference. Um, get people in a car and carpool and get there and just participate, just show up. You don't, you know, just show up and, and listen. And again, ask questions and meet people um, because that's where you're gonna find value in these types of things. Um, and so, um, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's difficult for PTA students. Um, you know, they, are a different type of student typically, um, and it's a different um, culture with PTA students than it is, I think, for PT students. And so um, they're faced with other challenges. Um, it's a shorter time that they're in school. Um, you know, DPT students have three years in their programs, where you know some PTA programs are as short as 18 months. And so to get that student to get engaged and find value in spending the money, you know, because that's what it comes down to, spending the money to get to one of these conferences, it's really hard. Um, and so that's why, um, you know, whatever they can attend is where I'm going to push them um, and encourage them to go to. Um, you know, it's, again, it's just a matter of um, where do you see your value, where do you see your fit? Um, how can you participate? How can you support those who are participating? Um, that's one of the other things that I like to tell students too is, you know, even if you don't run for a position or you're not, you know, uh, you don't see yourself being super involved at the level that maybe we often talk about a lot, um, support those who are you know, support the association because 
they're, the association is working to protect us as PTs and PTAs and protect our future as PTs and PTAs. And so, you know, even if you're not the person that's going to, you know, be on the stage and, you know, on the front lines, um, we still need that support. We still need to support those who are willing to put in that work and, um, you know, protect the future of the profession. So, um, again, whether you can get to a conference or you have other ways that you can participate and engage, do it because it's important work. I love it. The questions are starting to roll in, which makes me happy. <laughs> uh, Ryan has a question. He says that IPTA, I think that's Illinois. I could be wrong. Um, is trying to build, trying to bridge the gap as well, but distance can be problematic. Have you seen any online or video resources that have helped bridge this gap? Um, I have not. I mean, there are plenty of resources. Um, you know, APTA has created a lot of resources. We have the PTPTA toolkit um, that help um, with the education piece as far as, you know, what is that relationship? What does it look like? Um, you know, I don't, I think technology is definitely something that could be used. Um, you know, they're, I mean, look what we're doing right now, you know, like you can communicate with people across the country, uh, you could communicate with people across the state. So, you know, whether it's something, you know, it's like a telehealth, right? I mean, it's, it's, you're not there in person, but you could still collaborate. Um, you know, I haven't seen anything. I'm just kind of thinking, you know, different strategies. I think that you can get creative to, um, to help start that at least that PT, PTA teamwork um, through different technology platforms. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, and Ariana says, what do you hear are the biggest barriers to PTA students becoming involved and how can PT students help inspire our PTA student counterparts? Um, I think the biggest, I, I probably already mentioned them, just the time that students, PTA students are in school and the money. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a challenge. A lot of PTA students are maybe second career individuals. Um, you know, there was a good article uh, in PTA Motion a couple years ago, maybe last year sometime, um, regarding PTA students and kind of what is the culture of the PTA students. And it talked about the fact that many PTA students are second career individuals. They have families, they have kids, they have, um, you know, lots of other obligations outside of school. Um, they're, and, and I actually think this might be changing a little bit. We're seeing more people go straight into PTA school. Um, but, you know, historically speaking, that's been the case versus, you know, and again, not that PTA students or PT students might not be in that situation as well. Um, but many PT students know that's what they want to do. They go to, you know, the four-year university on that track. They're going into, you know, PT. Um, and so they have a bigger commitment to everything that encompasses PT school, whereas PTA students are not there yet. Um, and so I think that's the challenge. It's, um, you know, a lot of times they don't even realize what's beyond just their school and their program and what they do in the clinics or, you know, in, in practice. 
Um, and so that's the challenge is um, showing the value to PTA students um, and, and engaging them. I think for PT students to encourage PTA students um, is just asking them to come alongside them, asking them to participate, you know? Um, it's kind of like the older sibling, you know, the younger sibling wants to go and hang out with the older sibling, but, you know, they don't get to. But then if the older sibling was to ask, it's like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll for sure be there. Um, and so I think that's the same type of thing. Like, PTA students are willing to do it, um, or maybe they don't realize they're willing to do it, but if a PT student were to come alongside them, and ask them to participate with them or to encourage them to participate, I think it would mean a lot um, because it shows that you as a PT student value them as a PTA student. And, that, and that's what we need to, to, to do is we need to show the value um, in that relationship. We need to show that we respect each other, that we want to work together, that we do um, improve patient care if we're working together. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I think that's the biggest thing for, for PT students is just to, um, to, to ask them to create ways that they can participate. You know, we talked about different um, activities and stuff like that. If a PT program was to put something like that together and encourage or invite another uh, PT program to do that, um, I think you would immediately have a whole cohort of PT students that are more willing to, to be engaged just because they got to do that activity with a, a DPT program. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, good. I'm hoping we're on the cusp and there's gonna be a ton of PTA student involvement really soon and that makes my heart happy. Mine too. Um, <laughs> Emmy has a question. She says, I'm a DPT student, going to start my first clinical tomorrow. Well, congrats on that. Um, with a clinic that has PTAs, any advice on to build or any advice to build upon this professional relationship? Um, yeah, so you know, just go in, uh, keep an open mind. Um, you know, see what the PTAs do, what they know. Um, use them as much as you can, as far as just asking them questions as well. Um, you know, obviously they're not the CI in that situation, um, but you know, what, how are they used? What is their role in that, that setting, in that clinic, in that facility, um, you know, and starting to, to see what are those opportunities to use those PTAs, um, you know, asking as many questions, figuring out that role, that, that relationship. Um, early on is definitely going to help um, for clinical practice. Yeah. Um, is there anything specifically that you have done in the past with your PTA that has worked really well? Um, with our students or? Oh, sorry, with your PT when you were uh, in the clinic, something that you and your PT did that made your relationship really strong. Oh, okay. Um, so yes and no. Uh, this is the, one of the reasons why I'm so um, kind of adamant about building those relationships is because I felt like I didn't have, um, I, I missed out on that real like mentorship as I came out of school. Um, 
I, because of my personality and because of, you know, the person that I am, I still found ways to, you know, continue to learn, continue to develop, continue to, to push myself because um, I'm constantly doing that and constantly trying to be better, um, to, to, you know, learn more, um, lifelong learning, right? That's what we do. And so, um, you know, I'm constantly doing that, but I, I never felt like I really had that, that really great mentor relationship. I worked in a clinic with a lot of PTs and I was the only PTA at the time. And so I was seeing patients from a lot of different PTs, a lot of different treatment styles, um, treatment philosophies. And so it was really challenging as a PTA. Um, and that's why I'm so adamant, you know, when I talk to my current students, um, you know, build those relationships, find a mentor, find someone who is going to help you uh, early on, because coming out of school as an early career professional, it's so important that you um, build on that foundation. You know, you're coming out of school as a generalist and, um, you know, you're going to you're going to want to develop. You're going to need to develop. Right. Like you don't know everything you need to know coming out of school. And so find that, yeah, find that mentor um, that is going to help you kind of create a path, um, figure out which direction to go in. Um, and, you know, and again, it goes both ways. It's for PT and PTA students. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, a, there's more structure available, more opportunity available for PT students to be able to kind of foster those relationships. And so I think that's why, again, it's important for a PTA student to seek that out. Like it's, again, it's your responsibility, um, but it's gonna make you better. It's gonna make you a better PTA. It's gonna make you a better professional. It's gonna make you a better person. So, um, you know, seek that out, seek out any opportunities you have to develop those relationships. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. and. You know, sometimes it's hard. We all want that mentorship right out of school, and sometimes you just don't get it. Um, but I think pining for it and maybe not at your clinic, but finding it somewhere is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Jackie has it's kind of a comment and then a question. Um, <laughs> so she says she's a PTA student as a part of the IPTA SIG. Uh, she's talked to people of um and all of the barriers that you have mentioned were on point. The participation is lesser because we just want to get it done. Um, I think this could change since, uh, I'm sorry. I wish this could change since this might be the first step to enhance. Uh, I've been in the collaboration activity before and everyone went since it was a school activity. But her question is, how do you think uh, we can encourage the schools to include these type of activities in their curriculum? Um, so there are some, um, actual like requirements now. Um, so we have seen that change where there are CAPT criteria regarding the PT PTA team. Um, so specifically talking about PT programs that they have to include that in their curriculum. Um, one of the things that, um, is also being looked at are, um, clinicals that utilize the two-to-one model, where it's two students with one CI, um, and those two students being one a PT and one a PTA student, 
Um, and so that's another thing that's being looked at um, and developed and schools have done it. Um, you know, again, as the academic coordinator of clinical education, I'd love to see my, you know, CIs and my, the different uh, affiliated sites that we use uh, be willing to do that because it would be um, easier for us, one, to place students and then another great opportunity to see that team being fostered and, and taught. Um, you know, there's a reason why we have clinical rotations to get that hands-on experience with patients and then what better way to also incorporate that PTPTA team, but in that um, same exact scenario or situation. Um, so that's something that's being developed and, and has worked and has been a success with other schools, other programs. Um, so, um, you know, it's really about what are the ways that we can start to incorporate um, that teamwork in school with students. Um, so. Yeah. I hope in the future it really gets into that. Um, it's going to be a really cool experience to have like a PTA student struggling along with you. Yeah. You know, you're both <laughs> going through the same crap. Uh, yeah. The <laughs> hardest yeah. part, one of the hard things about it, and, you know, it's just like the schedule, you know, do the rotations line up and, you know, do you even want them to line up because maybe you want the PT student to start first and then have the PTA student come in, um, you know, getting CIs to be willing to oversee two students at the same time is uh, a challenge. So logistically, there's a lot to have to work out. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, again, I mentioned Fresno State, we've talked about it and we'd love to be able to place students together, um, but just mm -hmm. logistically, it's really hard. So, um, you know, we'll see, you know, as education continues to evolve and, um, you know, looking at different opportunities for PTA education, um, maybe that's something that is looked at even more and just trying to create a, a structure that would allow that on a regular basis would be awesome. Yeah. Well, we're a little over halfway through, so you guys keep rolling in those questions and because I know there's a lot of questions that I don't know a lot about the PTA realm, so keep them rolling. We do have another question from Hannah. She says, what is the extent of those CAPTE requirements as of now? Um, that's a good question. That'd be a good question for faculty at a DPT program. <laughs> um, I don't know specifically, um, and I don't know that it's sufficient enough yet, um, but I do know that it's been added. Um, so, um, you know, Again, I, I don't know if that means they can cover it in one lecture and then, you know, that's that's their PT, PTA team, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, section or, or whatever, um, or if it's something more than that. Um, I mean, they, they do re really look at how programs are promoting, um, you know, both interprofessional relationships and interprofessional relationships. Um, you know, they want to see that the programs are creating those opportunities, um, but I couldn't tell you exactly what the, the CAPT criteria are as far as DPT programs covering that since I don't work in a DPT program. <laughs> There's enough for me to have to, to worry about for a PTA program, so I can't worry about that right now. Yeah. I know you and I had talked before we started all this. Can you dive in a little bit of what a PTA curriculum looks like? Yeah. Um, 
So like I said, you know, some PTA programs are as short as 18 months. Um, the typical program is, you know, four semesters long, two years at a, a traditional school, um, um, but can be also different structures, whether it's a full-time program, you know, like the first program that I worked at was 18 months because they did five semesters straight through. There was no break. Um, they'd get a week off in between each semester, but no summers or, or winter breaks or anything like that. Um, so it's in, in, intense. It's an accelerated program. So you have something that's as short as that versus you know a two-year uh, traditional program. Um, and so they um, are going to have a minimum of two clinical rotations, um, one integrated. So it has to be you know before all the didactic curriculum is complete. Um, and then one can be, you know, at the end of the program after all of the didactic coursework is complete. Um, you know, it covers, um, you know, like introduction, physical therapy. Um, again, just what is physical therapy? Who are the different, you know, healthcare providers that we're working with? Who is the PT? Who's the PTA? Because um, again, a lot of these students might be coming to the profession. Um, you know, without a lot of prior knowledge and experience. And so, um, you know, you usually start out with that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, your basics in uh, principles of kinesiology and, you know, learning all of those basic skills of um, all the data collection, right? PTAs can do any of the data collection. So teaching all of those skills, um, patient care, um, patient interaction, um, you know, therapeutic exercises, any of the specialties, um, you know, there's typically a neuro class, um, a, you know, cardio poems, you get some of your major specialties. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a quick program. And, and that's why um, the curriculum really is based off of, like I mentioned earlier, creating or educating to the generalist level, you know, what are the the basic skills of a PTA that can function in any practice setting um, and, you know, participating in those data collection uh, skills, um, you know, exercise progression, um, modalities, um, all of those kinds of things. Um, and so then that's why, again, it's so important as PTAs to, to continue to develop those skills, continue to um, you know, learn more, um, push to, you know, learn different skills and stuff like that. And it, again, it, it is going to depend on the setting that they're working in too. Um, you know, if you're working in an outpatient clinic that treats, you know, has a very specific treatment philosophy, then you're going to want to learn what that philosophy is and learn those skills that are going to, you're going to use in that, that setting. So, um, you know, Curriculum itself, it, it's really, it's your basics um, all crammed into a very short time period. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know because I know going in, we know the scope for the most part. Um, we learned in school from y'all and for us, but we don't necessarily know exactly what you guys learn mm -hmm. in school. Um, and I think that's important for us to know so that we that trust starts right off the bat on both sides. Yeah, and we we focus a lot too on um, things that, you know, 
skills that the PT will have. Um, you know, the evaluation phase, although the PT is not performing the evaluation, we teach what that is because as PTAs, you need to understand that in order to, you know, when you get that patient, you can understand what it is that the PT's done, what's their plan with this patient, um, you know, so that it all makes sense. So you still have to have those foundational things that PTAs don't perform. You have to have an understanding of them. Otherwise, you can't then determine, okay, what's the best treatment within this plan of care, right? Because if I don't understand what it is that was done in the evaluation, then I'm not going to be able to um, choose the best treatment for this patient to get them towards moving towards their goals. So we do, you know, we, I shouldn't say we just teach basics. There's a lot more as far as the things that PTAs don't perform that we still have to teach um, in order for them to understand their role and function within that role. Perfect. Uh, we have another question from Kyle. Um, he says, hi, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, he's about to start his second year. Um, he's only completed one clinical rotation and it was just one-on-one -on -one PT with the patient for a full hour. Um, what tips and advice would you give to PT students who will work with PTAs for the first time in a clinic? I feel we kind of touched on that a little bit, um, but maybe as a student, how can we approach maybe a seasoned PTA? Because uh, yeah. I know we want to be respectful, but sometimes it's like that awkward, like we kind of have to tell them what we're doing, but we don't know how to approach it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's still the same as if you were approaching a seasoned PT, right? I mean, as a student, you're coming in, um, you know, I mean, the great thing is as students, like you know stuff by the book, like you know that stuff really well. And so you come in and you kind of, you want to be able to apply that knowledge and, and all of that, but there's so much more to clinical practice. And just like you would respect the PT that's been there for 10, 15 years, um, you know, respect the PTA that's been there as well and respect their skill set and respect their, um, you know, their perspective. Uh, you know, it comes down to respect. You know, you can yeah. still be the PT um, and be the one delegating treatment. Um, but if you don't have mutual respect between the two of you, um, then it's not going to work. And so uh, I think it just comes down to respect that you show respect mm -hmm. and you expect respect. You expect respect given back to you from that PTA um, because, again, it needs to go both ways. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't think it's any different than working with the seasoned PT that you would see in the clinic. Um, it's just the relationship's different, you know, but you still approach it the same way, um, so. I think it's awesome. Like I said, um, I just, I'm an inpatient neuro now. I just switched over and uh, it was the PTA that taught me my transfer training. And I thought that was really cool. <clears throat> but it yeah. wasn't necessarily the PT on staff. It was the PTA who's been there 15 years, gave us a down and dirty, she showed me some transfer techniques I'd never seen before. Um, so I just love that, that she's getting utilized like that. Um, and being willing I, to learn from her. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, don't, you have to keep an open mind. Um, you know, if you went into that situation thinking that that PTA had nothing to offer you, then, you know, you would have missed that opportunity. And so it's keeping an open mind and it's being willing to, to listen. It's being willing to, um, 
you know, share and collaborate because maybe there is something that you've learned in PT school that then after she shows you how to how she does it, that you could be like, oh, well, there's also this too. And, you know, that's where that collaboration begins. Um, and so you just keep an open mind. You stay willing to um, hear each other out, to participate in those types of things together, those learning opportunities. Um, and that's what's going to serve you both in the end. Yeah. And I know there's become these advanced proficiencies for PTAs, kind of like we have um, like board certified exams. What are those proficiencies that we have now? And like, how do you guys go about getting those? Yeah. So now I'm being tested on the spot. I should have pulled up the <laughs> list. Um, there's a few advanced proficiencies. Um, they're called the advanced proficiency pathways. Um, and we used to have the old program. Um, that looked at things retrospectively. So like after you've worked in clinical practice for a certain amount of time, so say, you know, you worked in orthopedics for however many years, um, then you could apply for this um, advanced proficiency um, and, you know, turn in whatever it was to say, I've been doing this, so then I get recognition. For the new program, the apps, um, you it you enroll in it um you still have to work in whatever setting or or apply for the certain um you know uh specialties that we have um but then you work towards getting that recognition so then there's coursework that you do um it has the mentorship built into the program um so you have to have a pt that serves as your mentor um in that clinical practice setting. Um, and so, you know, if I worked in orthopedics um, and I had the PT that was going to be willing to take me through that program, then they would be serve as my mentor. And there's things um, that they would do um, throughout that process to help develop and advance my skills in orthopedics. I would take continuing education courses that count towards um, the advanced proficiency um, and then once you meet all the requirements, then you can submit and then get that recognition for the advanced proficiency. So there's a few, there's a handful, um, you know, of course, now I can't think of them off the top of my head. Um, but if you go to the APTA website, they're all listed there and they continue to uh, work on developing more of those in different practice settings. Um, so James actually just dropped the link just below. So shout out to Perfect. James. Good job. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you one more question, and then we're going to kind of start to wrap things up. Um, Allie wants to know, what are some hot topics currently being discussed in the PTA caucus or were achieved at House Delegates in Orlando? Um, so there's always hot topics when it comes to PTAs. Um, you know, education continues to be a conversation that we're having, um, you know, what where do we see PTA education going? Um, the PT um, education has evolved over the years and PTA education has not. And so as we're embarking on the 50th anniversary of the first graduating class of a PTA program, um, we continue to, to talk about that. And, you know, that's not to say, you know, obviously everyone always talks to, talks about the bachelor's level, you know, do we take PTAs to the bachelor's level? And there's so many pros and cons. There's been so many debates on that. Um, 
And maybe that's not the only answer. And so that's what we continue to just kind of have conversations about. Um, it's not just the PTA caucus that's having that conversation. Um, and actually the PTA caucus isn't really, um, you know, driving that, that, um, that effort to look at PTA education. Um, but it's one of the things that continues to be discussed. Um, what other structures or, or frameworks could there be for PTA education um, to continue to have the same opportunities for PTA students, um, but also to advance the profession? Because that's really what it's about. It's not just advancing the PTA, it's advancing the profession. As soon as you'd, you know, move PTA education into um, a different direction, um, it's the goal is to then advance our profession as a whole um, so that they can do more or have more value or be utilized differently or know more, come out of school knowing more. Um, you know, so that's really what it's about. How do we accomplish that um, but still uh, be mindful of the concerns that people have as far as what those changes would mean in PT education? Um, yeah. Some of the other things, uh, you know, we're still working on the full vote across the association for PTAs and all of the components. Uh, we've done a really great job. That actually was as a result of the House of Delegates a few years back. Um, and since that's passed, um, you know, a lot of components, uh, both chapters and sections have uh, passed the full vote, but we're not 100% across the board yet. So we continue to work on that, continue to look at that. Um, you know, again, I mentioned the PTA 10K, looking at PTA membership. Uh, how do we increase PTA membership? How do we engage PTAs within the association? Um, so, um, and then utilization of PTAs. So what does the scope of work of PTAs look like? Um, you know, if any of you had been following along with any of the house discussions this past year, um, there was a little bit of, of conversation regarding that and specifically with joint mobilizations, you know, how do PTAs, um, how are they involved in joint mobilizations? What's, you know, what should they be able to do? What can they, can't they do? Um, and so that's a conversation that's ongoing. Um, we anticipate that it will come back this next year. So, um, you know, we have working on year round governance. And so we continue to, um, look at that conversation, participate in that conversation. Um, so that's kind of the role of the PTA caucus on things like that is just to make sure that we're involved in those conversations. Um, we're not always the ones that are starting the conversations or driving that bus, but we wanna be involved in that conversation and be the represent, representation um, of PTA members within the association. So those are some of the, you know, the hot ticket items. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some. That's okay. Well, now uh, yeah. we're more in the know than we were before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, that's all going on. So we've almost reached the end of our time, but I'm going to turn the tables a little bit. Is there anything that you would like to know from me or our audience from a student's perspective? Um, I mean, I think you guys have asked really great question, questions, all of you that are participating. Um, you know, kudos to you for being on here and, and asking the questions. I think uh, this is just another really great opportunity and a great example of um, just kind of being willing to participate, being willing to show up and ask the questions. Um, so keep doing that to all of you that are here. 
Um, you know, we had the opportunity to invite uh, the student assembly into our PTA caucus business meeting this year. Um, and we kind of asked some questions to um, those who are in attendance. Um, you know, what, what does it look like to, um, to you guys as students? Um, how, what does it look like for you guys going into clinical practice? And how can we, as the PTA caucus, um, help to bridge that gap, you know, because again, we want to, you know, we don't want to just tell everyone else what they should be doing. We want to know what it is that we need to be doing. Um, and so fortunately, I think this, even this conversation right now is a result of that. Um, just to say like, yeah, let's work together. Let's start to promote um, and to encourage these relationships. So, you know, I don't I'm, you know, if you want to elaborate on that, like, what is it that, um, you know, not no, just the PTA caucus, but the profession in general, like what is it that you guys as students coming into clinical practice are looking for as far as, um, you know, professional development and mm -hmm. collaboration with all professionals? I think it's um, guidance on how to approach that relationship when we first get out, because we don't want to step on anybody's toes. We want to be respectful, um, but still be able to delegate what we are seeing in treatment. Um, I think is the biggest thing for a lot of us PT students. I can't speak for PTA students, but um, I think we're doing a good job having an open discussion as a profession right now. And if we can just continue to do that, I think it's gonna be really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and so then as students, like what is it? I think, again, we've had some really great questions which might lead to the answer to this, but as you know, specifically, or actually both PT and PTA students, what is it that you wish you had in your program or that your program did uh, to foster that relationship between the PT and PTA? I would just like to have like, um, be able to have a PTA program and the two of us be able to come together and just talk about what we're both scared about, what we're, what we go through and like what our scope is. I feel like just having like a night, almost like we have like partners, and just like having a chat, maybe like facilitated discussion. I feel like that could be really cool. Um, for some PT and PTA students to get together. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, not even necessarily like treating, but just having yeah. conversation, picking each other's brains. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, maybe some beer involved. I think that yeah. always is good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anybody listening, um, if you wanna comment below or you're on Twitter, I want you guys to say like, after this exchange on developing strong professional relationships, I'm going to blank. So you're gonna take something away and Talk about what you're going to take over from this chat, what you're going to implement into your practice or the rest of school. I do have a few announcements before we get done. The flash action strategy is going to be September 26th and 27th. Be on the lookout for more specifics as we get closer. And what that is, it's kind of like an advocacy, Lindsay, if I say this wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like an advocacy push for something specific. And I think they're going to choose a topic in the next probably week or so, and then we'll be kind of posting that all over social media so we can help you guys get involved with that. Um, we've talked about National Student Conclave a little bit in here, and that is hands down my favorite conference, and that is a conference for students by students. And that is in Providence, Rhode Island this year, October 11th to the 13th. Um, early bird registration ends on September 14th, so buy your registration now, so it's cheaper. Um, and that's also where your new Student Assembly Board of Directors is going to be elected. Um, so I have this one by myself. Um, and then next month in September, I'm gonna hopefully be 
interviewing some travel PTs, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, that will be my last solo exchange essay, and the next time you guys see me in October, I will be co-hosting with the new director of communications, and they'll be taking over the reins. Um, let's see, if you're looking to keep up with ways to continue improving with the PT and PTA relationship, be sure to catch the um, Interprofessional Collaboration Project Committee's Pulse Blog series, hashtag Strong at Home. I think there's been two released so far. Um, the next piece is going to be posted on August 29th, and it's going to cover the scope of practice between PTs and PTAs. So super relevant about what we've been talking about today. They've worked really hard um, to come up with a really cool series of blogs and hopefully more Facebook Lives. And as always, we're looking for Pulse contributors. So if you like to write blogs or have a cool story and experience, please email us or you can email me and um, pulse at abta.org and we can get your role in. Um, do you have any last words of wisdom for us, Jimmy? Well, since you brought up uh, National Student Conclave and you said that was your favorite conference, I would agree um, as students, if you can get to Student Conclave, um, and again, if your chapter puts on a student conclave, get to that conference. Mm -hmm. um, you know, attending the other conferences with the mass amount of, you know, PTs and PTAs and other professionals that are there um, is really awesome. But to go to a conference that is just for you as a student is really empowering. And mm -hmm. um, we talked before we started here about you know, I attended student conclave. I ran for student assembly board of physicians uh, position as you know back when they had the PTA student delegate, um, and I lost. And it was still that time that I had there at conference and those relationships that I built, um, those connections I made that helped launch me into the career I've had within uh, the association. And so, there's so much value in just attending. Um, trying, you know, I tried and I failed, but in the long run, I still won. Um, and so it's such an awesome opportunity to go to those conferences that are geared towards just you as students, um, both PTs and PTA students. Um, so go and, and participate and um, take a chance because you're only going to, um, you know, have those opportunities if you take a chance and, and you take some risks. So uh, do it, um, you know, <laughs> it. I'll be there to pick you up when you fail, if you do fail like I did, um, but there's gonna be somebody there to pick you up and, and keep you moving along. So, um, you know, yeah, do it, be involved, stay engaged, know what's going on. There's a spot for you. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Jimmy. Do you mind uh, sharing some of your contact information if anybody wants to talk to you further after this? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, um, JJ Passini PTA uh, at gmail.com is my email. Um, also my Twitter and I believe Instagram. Uh, but Jimmy Passini, uh, you can find me on all the social media. Um, and that, that's my email. Um, my contact information is also on the APTA website um, under the PTA page, representation, uh, PTA caucus delegate. You can find me on there and contact me through there as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for joining me tonight, and I'll see you guys next month. Thank you for having me.